And for the preseason matchup of the preseason, Spurs versus the Thunder. Coming up on Monday, we're going to see Victor be held out because um, they decided that he's not really ready for the Czech competition. He can't handle that smoke. <laughs> Good for him, dude. Good for him. I, I'm just predicting it, bro. I mean, I, I hope not. I hope the Spurs don't, you know, pull, uh, you know, um, load management at the first game of the preseason. Let's put it like that. Um, I wouldn't pass, put it past them. That is for sure. No. So Not at all. Just for us. Just for but, us. Yo, watch party. 7 o'clock. Done. Texas time. Oklahoma time. 100% in, bro. You, Let's dude. do that. All right, man. Um, man, I was just talking to you beforehand. We're talking about the schedule and stuff like that. Um, did you see Sam Presti's uh, interview uh, that he gave the other day? By no, chance? no, no. I, I, I know we've been it. really like busy with work, and I don't want to like call you all for not reading it um, or watching it. But What's up, Corey? What's up, Carson? Dude, you know one of the things that Sam said that really stuck out to, stuck out to me? And I'm, I'm going to say this in like the most like chilled way I possibly can because I get pretty hyped up on here. You know what I'm saying? Joseph, you're um, right, man. Sam said something in the uh, interview. He said that this is not a 500 team. Mm. This is not a 500 team. Mm. Who's- and it made me excited because last year we were a 500 team. And he's saying this is not a 500 team. So what exactly does that mean? Is he saying that this team is um, – 10 games above 500, 15 games. Of five, like, what does he believe that we're above 500? And that's where I start getting excited about because the way that it was said, it was just like, boom. And then it got me thinking like into deeper aspects of what Sam was talking about. And that's when I started putting together, you know, one Seven of the things eight. that I love about our team, right guys, is it's simple. Our starters are younger than our bench players. Hmm. I, there's very few teams in the history of the game that that's the case, that they're not in a rebuilding mode. And you start understanding, like, you see Kenny Hustle there. You see Victor Oladipo on the bench. You see Bertans on the bench. You start seeing guys like Jack White and Mischich, right? Shane. They're all over 25, right? So then I get excited because this team, if you average the age out, they're 24.4 um, years old. If we average them out, 24.4, 24.8, whatever. You know, I was just thinking of, bro, I don't mean to trip you up, but it's kind of like a strip club. But go ahead, mm. keep going. No. <laughs> Starters are... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, bro. Keep going. Keep so going. then I was just like, and it's really hard because like, I, I like the history of the game. Like I, We all know recent histories of the game. It's not that hard to go back, right? But I wanted to go to deep dive into like the true history of it. So I'm going to get back there in a second. But for me... When it comes to offensive teams, the, like the really potent benches, not just like good benches, but benches that really stand out, right? You got to go back. You got to think of the 2011, 2012 San Antonio Spurs. Fuck the Spurs, <clears throat> with all due respect. Um, Manny Ginobili, Steven Jackson, Tiago Splitter, Matt Boner. Um, call him that. You know, <laughs> like, and uh, that's, that's a pretty fucking stellar. I think they averaged 42 points a game. Think about that, guys. 42 points a game, right? I'm not saying our team is going to go out there and average 42 points a game or benches, but I think that it's really good. Of course, recent history yet again, 2018-2019 Clippers, where they had Lou Williams was the sixth man um, of the year, Montel's Harrell. I mean, you got some really good teams right there, uh, players right there. Um, You got 
2016-2017 Houston Rockets. Eric Gordon, sixth man of the year. They averaged 40 points a game. Um, just a really good group of guys. Now, for me, it's not just about offense. It's never just about offense. It's about defense, right? Detroit Pistons had a great defensive bench, right? Now, for if you're looking at the aspect of is it more important to have a scoring bench than a defense's bench, I every time I'm going to pick a scoring bench because you're always going to run into lulls in, in, in the playoffs where it's like, oh, we can't score, we can't score, we can't score, right? But this team isn't one-dimensional. Our bench isn't one-dimensional. We have an That's incredibly true. stellar bench, right, when it comes on the defensive spot side. So I went back and you know started looking at some defensive teams. I'm like 2003, 2004, Detroit Pistons, 2007, 2008 um, Celtics, right? Mm. The, yeah, even yeah. the 2015, 2016, Golden State Warriors had a potent defensive bench. So, like, this is really where it comes down to. Like, I keep on saying, like, we need to figure out a good path between a good offense and a good defense coming off the bench because we can come up with both of them, you know? And it comes down to the balance. Like, what teams in the history of the game had the best balanced offense and defensive teams? There's two of them. Ready for this? The Golden State Warriors in 2014, 2015. And the Chicago Bulls in 1995 and 1996. Those are the teams that really stood out to me. That 95, 95, 96 teams, you got Tony Kukoc, Steve Kerr, um, you got Judd uh, Butchler, you got Bill Wellington. You've got such a great amount of guys. And you went 72, um, 72 wins and 10 losses. So the yeah, depth exactly. really played a huge part into that team right there. So for me, I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm bringing it all together, and it's getting me excited. Because if we're just talking about our bench, you know, it's amazing. And the fact is, is that we're young and it's not just the bench. It's, it's so much more than just the bench. Yeah, dude. But I mean, like that's what comes back to what you're saying. Presti was saying is like, if you're talking about a 500 team, you could easily make it uh, an argument that on paper, this team is 500. Yeah. Like that's what a lot of people are going to do coming into the season. Um, I'm not sure if anybody p- pays attention to Skip Bayless anymore. But I'm sure he'll say something like that. I'm sure Stephen A. will shout something like that. Like, but in the end, like you're saying, um, yeah, like we're we're building off of like anticipating growth from our best players. But we we it's not like we're just anticipating. We've seen it in different places. Sure, um, we've seen it year over year. Then we've seen it in FIBA for a number of the guys. So yeah, and then we're adding players like Jet and Mitchich and. Yeah. Um, also, I'm a really, really big fan of Casey Wallace. I think everybody here knows that. Right now, um, Victor Oladipo might end up being not on this team for long, but right now he is, and he's you know an overall guy that can score, so we'll take it. Right. I mean, so I I totally get it. I think that that's the right mentality right now. Is um, nobody who is paying attention to the podcast right now should schedule anything to happen during the playoffs no. because you just don't know how far this team can go because like some of those teams you're mentioning. Yeah, I get it. Like you're mentioning ring after ring after ring. And this team for a lot of people that they're like, well, it's this team really shouldn't be thinking that way. And I get it. Like we're, we're really young and we have more time um, to, to build until like that becomes like an expectation. Yeah. But if you can find a way to play yourself into the conference finals, like, you have to strike while the iron's hot. And you look at like what the Warriors did. There was yeah. a lot of people out there who thought the Warriors were young. They were young. They weren't ready. They weren't ready until they were ready. You know what I mean? And then but it they happens go out so and they fast, do it. Though. Right. 
And that's why for me, I look at it and I circle that because that Warriors team, when it happened, they were like the eighth youngest team in the NBA history to win a championship. You know, like, (laughs) yeah. So speaking of that, let's just talk about that, man. Let's talk about the youngest teams that have ever won a championship. Because to me, like whenever there's a new era coming up in the league, right? There's always a young team that sneaks through. Okay. Uh, You think about, um, the Miami Heat, when they won the championship, they were a freaking young team, right? With Shaq. What's that? With Shaq. With Shaq and with LeBron oh. and Dwayne Wade. Okay, you know, that, yeah. that team was pretty young. They're all under 27 years old. The main group was under 27. Okay. You know, like, yeah. that was a pretty young team. And you start looking at these guys that are that are young, and you're saying, wow, they were able to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I A lot of people will say that when there's a new group of people, um, you know, young men coming through uh, the league, that there's this small space of opening. Some people like like the uh, Dallas Mavericks have a chance to win a championship, and you know all these other teams that never had a chance all of a sudden have a chance at the very end, right? But most of them, okay, uh, it, it's 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 more complex. So if you're looking at the age, right, and you're starting to break down each of the ages that have won a championship through the years, to me, I like to say that this is the new era of basketball, guys. And in order to understand that truly, you got to look at the last time that a team was winning championships that were under 25, you know, under 27, right? Mm-hmm. And those teams are all in the 60s, right? So we've got a few in the 90s. We'll talk about the Golden State Warriors real quickly, 20, um, 2015. Houston Rockets in 1995, they averaged 26.6. The Boston Celtics in 1965. And this is what I want to bring up because I feel like if there's a team that represented who the Boston Celtics were in the 60s, in the 50s, that's this Oklahoma City Thunder team. We've got all the draft. We have we have made draft. Think about it. How many times the Boston Celtics get the first draft of the 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 um even though they won a championship or they got to the finals and they they still had a number one pick? It's because they they realized that doing the, getting these young players allowed them to play longer, allowed them to have um, an opportunity. So you have a ton of Boston's um, Celtics teams that have won championships with these guys under 27 years old. And I look at this and I say, how is that possible? Well, it was a new age of NBA. It wasn't around for long, but there was this new group of people that were coming through. And all of a sudden, you start seeing what happened. And it was like, boom, the new game was there. Boston Celtics won like 11 championships during that run, right? And everybody was like, now we got to catch up to the Celtics. And when they caught up to the Celtics, what happened? The Celtics didn't win another championship for like fucking ever. You know, and it, like, I mean, yes, you know, you got your 70s and 80s, but, but I mean, what they my, won in the 70s, I can't remember anything they won in the 70s, but, but, but like, it, and 80s. yeah, but like, that's the thing though, like, like every team goes through this. So when I'm looking at this Oklahoma City Thunder team, and I'm saying, does this team have the bench? Yes. Does this team have the young players to be able to make a, a, a long push in the playoffs, especially with all, like all these old players getting injured? Like everybody's like, oh, Damian Lillard and Giannis. You're right. If they stay healthy. Because if they miss 50 games combined, there's no chance that they're going to win a championship at the end. You know, they'll be going in as a five seed, you know? And, and that's what I'm saying is, is like there's so many different aspects to the game right now that when people are like, well, the Thunder have no chance at all to win a championship this year, that's where I'm like, I'm going to fucking make you, make, you, make you eat your words. Because I do think the Thunder can win a championship. I don't think that that young age is something that you can, you know, say that's a negative. Now, Am I premature as like people like to call me? Sure, man. I, I, I could be a year 
two years premature, but that's the thing. If I'm a year or two years premature, is that truly premature for a young team like this? Then it's not. Because if you're in that window, right, you're a championship caliber team, you can go and, and win a championship at any time during that window. And I'm saying that that window is finally open here for this Thunder team. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that they're going to go out there and win a championship right away. I, I would say if I had, you know, if I was a betting person, I would go put $1,000 on it. I will put, a, you know, $100 on the fact that Thunder could win a championship this year. Why not? Because the odds are so crazy. That's right. You heard it from Dave. Put $100,000 on the Thunder championship aspirations. Oh, man. I bet if you put hundred grand on that and they won, it'd be nice. But... Anyway, speaking of a hundred grand, I'm just kidding. Um, so let's let's do this. Like at this point, I think we can agree that um, we expect the Thunder to make the playoffs, mm. and if they or when they make the playoffs, um, they're going to be incredibly difficult to get out because of our depth, because of our star power. You're right. Um, you know, we talk a lot about what we learned from Shea mm. in that Minnesota game in that Pelicans game, in the play-in games, like we had to play our way into the play-in and then we got in there and man, when he got beat up against the Timberwolves and he came back out out of the locker room. Yeah. I just felt like the rest of the guys, um, I, I just saw it on their faces, like this commitment to do whatever they could. And in a moment like that, the season's already played out. Mm. Like there's nothing else you can do to impact your ability to win yeah. other than do your job. But in the off season, you get to redefine what that means by working on your game. And hmm. that's where I feel like everybody's going to, to look at what Shea did, watch what he did in FIBA, watch what Giddy did in the FIBA. And they're going to look at it and be like, if we get into the playoffs, like nobody wants to face us. We have too many playmaking players who are oversized for their position and we have too much depth. And then, you know, if you get out of the first round, you know, then anything can happen. You get into the conference finals, then you're really in that hunt. And um, that's that's the game. I think that you're right about us being there um, sooner than later. Um, and I think we want to make sure, as Presti says a lot, is that we don't skip steps. Um, but I do feel like a lot of people have an expectation that for this team – not skipping steps means we got to get knocked out in the first round and then the second round and then the third, you know, but the reality is Shea's been in the first round twice now, you know, um, he's now played a high level FIBA ball. Like we don't actually need a first round exit. And that's where I kind of start thinking this is, this is unique because a young team like this. Yeah. Like you need that first round exit. You just do. But like, if you think about the early thunder, like they were one box out against Pau Gasol away from going to game seven against the Lakers with yeah. Kobe, who became the champions that year. Yeah. Like they didn't need to be eliminated in the first round. If they had a better matchup in the first round, they mm. could have gone in the second round. And then God knows what could have happened. So mm. I just feel like, yeah, we can learn that from the past. You know, the moment for me where I knew that this was a different year than any, any I've seen before for the Thunder was when Shea was at FIBA playing and he was he was locked in playing well and they got third yeah okay you see what Shea did yeah he wouldn't wear it huh wouldn't wear it I mean I'm sure he put it around his neck but he wouldn't wear it because in my mind 
third place, even though it was the best they've ever done for their country, wasn't good enough. And I remember telling you that, Mark. And I remember that was the moment it clicked in my head. I was like, if this is the way he is now, why can't we start saying it that he is a MVP caliber player? If he's an MVP caliber, caliber player and he's got an incredible supporting cast around him and he's got one of the best benches, if not the best bench in the NBA, then at what point is this not a caliber championship or a championship caliber team? And that's when it clicked. It is a championship caliber team. Shea is an MVP caliber player and a third place wasn't good enough. You know what would happen if the Americans won third place? They would have jumped around, gone crazy, excited, all pumped up. I'm serious because it would have been like, whoo, we got third. Nobody thought we could even medal this year. I hope not, man. That would be nasty. But with Shea, we got to see his true colors, man. He wasn't happy with third. Yeah, he was happy for his teammates, right? But he wasn't content. And I think that's the greatest thing that we're seeing right now is he's becoming a fucking legend in front of us. And to me, like when, when somebody's so close like that, you, you guys have all been there. You guys have been there when they, uh, a, a senior, you're a senior playing hoops, right? And this freshman comes in, he's a little cocky little asshole. And like, you're fucking like pissed off at him all the time, throwing elbows at him, being a dick to him because he's a freshman, right? Okay. Happened to me. I did the same thing. And John, did you do that to Josh Wiggins? Is that who you're talking about? No, 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 no. I did that to um, Adam Krejci, bro. All right. Um, shout out Adam Krejci. And uh, Andy Malone did it to me, right? So uh, as a, you know, senior, you just beat the shit out of it. And then all of a sudden you think back and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, that player ended up being the best player on the team when he was a junior and senior. And that happens through the same thing. This is the same idea. And, and I'm looking at these guys, I'm looking at Kenny Hustle and he looks like he's ready to go. And these other guys, and you're like, what, which one of these guys are going to peek up and be like, boom, I'm here. And then you see Isaiah Joe. And then you start going through this guy, mm. a group of guys, and then you're like, what if, what if we have two six-man candidates? Like, that's what we're talking about. This team is going to be so fired up, so ready to go, so locked in. Shea has everybody focused, unlike anything we've seen before with this team. What's up, Sammy? And unlike we've had teams in the past with 2010, 2011, 2012, this, this team is a cohesive team. You're not going to see Shea or any of these other players go hang out with Draymond Green before the Golden State Warriors game. You're not going to see that shit. This team is locked in and ready to go, man. Sammy Dog, what's up, man? Mawani, Corey, Joseph, Shane. Man, you guys are amazing. Carson, Carson, Corey, Corey, everybody. Carson. Oh, and I want to say, Mawani, you asked us, do you like hate the uh, Spurs or Houston Rockets more? Um, I, I equate the Houston Rockets and the Spurs too. Like if you were sick, like with food poisoning and you're vomiting and then you're shitting yourself right at the same time, like which one do you hate more? Like you can't really put that into context. So for me, like I hate shitting while I'm throwing up. So, so which for one's me, worse? Like, I hate them both. Here's the I, thing, because like for me, when I think about the Rockets, I think about growing up as a Knicks fan and um, making it to the finals and Anyway, we'll leave it there. But so that one I feel like is shitting yourself. Um, and then watching the Spurs be so successful, um, I would say that was kind of like vomiting with, with food poisoning. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. Right. And Mawani, SGA is not one of the best guards in the league. Write it he down, baby. is. 
right the best now. guard in the league. As okay. Jack says, D number one, best. Number one. We'll see you guys next time.